Um, well, it's, it's Valentine's season in the church. Um, actually, not exactly on the church calendar, but it certainly impacts all of us and, and has affected us in our lives. Uh, Valentine's Day actually began, came, kind of came into its fullest in the Middle Ages, and it was actually to honor some Christian martyrs that had had been killed early in church history, and there were several that were called Valentine, and so they were, um, we call it St. Valentine's Day. And so uh, this is a time where it's really set aside for lovers to express their love and affection for that special one in their life. Now, we know that not all of you are married, but we think the principles that we're going to share with you today can apply to all of your relationships. And we also know that there's many of you that are in here that aren't married, but you will someday be. So I hope that you can find something meaningful out of what we're sharing today. Happily ever after. Three words. Happily ever after. Those are pretty potent words in how they have impacted us. All of us have been influenced by this highly romanticized world that we live in. Uh, most of us have watched romance movies. They last about 90 minutes. It's uh, about a couple that, you know, they kind of relative strangers, and yet they are destined for love with each other. And they go through all of these obstacles and overcome all of these obstacles to find the love of their life. And you know what they look like, right? About 80% of them, somebody's chasing somebody to the airport, right? Um, you know, one or the other is trying to catch them before they get on that plane because they'll be gone forever. And we've got to make sure that we find the love of our life. And, and usually these end either a couple walking on the beach hand in hand or oftentimes at the altar at their wedding service. And then what happens? The credits roll. Assuming that now that they've found the love of their life, then life's going to be grand. It'll be easy. It'll be natural and because, because they found their soulmate. We're suggesting today that it's not so much in the finding, that it really has to do with creating the love of your life. Now, we're not downplaying the finding. We all have to find that person, Right? And some of you are going, yes, I want to find them. And uh, there's something about that finding that, you know, God designed this kind of chemistry. And I believe that God designed that just so that we weren't attracted to every single person that walks down the street. That would be very cumbersome. <laughs> my, my thinking is that he just needed to get us in the room with this person just so that we kind of got to know them and could begin something. Yet, our culture has designed a philosophy of love and marriage based on that, based on that chemistry, based on this idea of magic. If I find my soulmate, then life is pretty well settled and it's going to be great for the next many years. And so we're left with a misperception of if I can just find that right person, then we're going to be happy forever. And what that basically is saying is... If I have the right feelings, then I'm going to behave in a way that's positive and loving for the rest of my life. So those of you that are married know that since you found the right person, you always act in a kind and loving way to them at all times. 
And in all your years of marriage, you've never said a harsh or critical word. You've been loving and kind every day, every minute of your marriage. Isn't that right? (laughs) Not so much. We find that even if we find someone that we deeply, deeply love, our behaviors aren't necessarily that loving all the time. But do you remember those early days? Do you remember that excitement that you had? The boyfriend, girlfriend, you are the most wonderful person in my life. My life is now different. This has been what I've been waiting for forever. And life is changed from now on. Which it is, I think that every day, honey. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for adding that. Um, Unfortunately, when you fall in love, you're on drugs. Literally. Uh, They've done studies of the brain and actually found that there's these molecules and chemicals that actually interact with each other in that first beginning of falling in love that are very similar to the drug's speed. So it's really kind of like you're on speed. That's why it's easy in those beginning minutes and months even where it just feels natural. It's not hard at all to give and care for each other and tell each other how wonderful they are. And and as a matter of fact, it seems simple. And we do it all the time. And yet it doesn't seem to last that way. matter of fact, studies tell us that we get about 18 months of that natural high. Now, most couples end up getting married before that time's over. And they get kind of confused then because afterwards... They kind of start coming off of that high, and now oftentimes they're married. And so they start thinking, oh, my gosh, what, what happened? Have I fallen out of love with them? Did I pick the wrong person? We start going, gosh, we're, our, those feelings aren't quite as easy and as natural. And it gets confusing. It really doesn't mean that at all. It doesn't mean that uh, we've fallen out of love. It just, it just means that we've kind of come off of that, and we didn't necessarily take the time and energy during that 18 months to learn the behaviors of love, to learn how do we continue to cultivate those feelings. We do an extensive pre-marriage program where we really work with our couples for a long period of time to help them learn the skills of maintaining that healthy relationship because um, feelings follow behavior. If we can help them get the positive behaviors in place, then they can continue having those positive feelings and they don't have this dramatic drop-off that happens with so many people. Now, I love working with uh, pre-marriage couples because they're just in such a wonderful stage of life. And so many times we hear him say, you know, I know that other people have problems, but our love is different. We're never going to have those problems that everybody else has. As a matter of fact, working with premarital couples is quite refreshing um, because when you're working with couples in conflict in a marriage counseling office, you always have to have a couch and a love seat because they don't necessarily always want to sit in the same, you know, very close to each other. Well, in premarital counseling, it would save on a lot of furniture because really all you need is a chair. Um, maybe a little oversized, but it doesn't need to be that big. As a matter of fact, they would be more than happy to kind of squeeze into a fairly small, um, a small space. Once again, this high confuses us because it reinforces this idea that if you have this feeling, if you find your soulmate, then the behaviors will be natural. It really is just the opposite. 
Feelings are a byproduct of behavior. Think back to your first date. If you had had a first date and you had a knockdown, drag out fight over politics, you wouldn't have had a second date. The reason you had a second date because that first one went very nice. And the second one went even better. And the third one even better. Now, yes, you had that chemistry, and so it was very easy to do these nice things. As a matter of fact, during that time of your life, if you see anything that bothers you or that you think could be a conflict or you're concerned about them, you just go, oh, it'll be okay. Oh, that's not that big a deal. We just, because we kind of see through this haze um, in essence. And so the reality is that it really is the behaviors of love that cultivate, cultivate feelings. So what are we saying? We're saying that you get to be in charge of the feelings that you have in your relationship, the emotional intimacy that you develop, that sense of warmth and closeness and connection. It has nothing to do with the stars lining up um, it, it, is, it is about the choices that you make. It's about the behaviors. Love is an action word. It's a choice that we make. And you can find that abundance. You can find that abundant life that God's talking about if you choose the right behaviors. We see very good guidelines in Scripture Oops. in how all of our relationships can be enhanced and how they can all be more positive. So let's take a look at some of them. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love, being one in the spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. One of the most difficult scriptures, I think. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. He who answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame. I hate that one. <laughs> you hate that one. <laughs> I have a great argument coming. No. <laughs> Okay, now, will you all just promise to do these? Because if you can just promise to do these, then our, our work is pretty well done here this morning. We can go to lunch. Yeah. It's not quite that easy, is it? So what happens? What happens from that time where I'll climb the highest mountain and swim the deepest sea for you? You know, every couple I've ever worked with, uh, uh, in, you know, they were very happy in their wedding pictures. You know, life was going to be wonderful in the future. Don't walk down the aisle with somebody if we don't have that powerful sense that this is going to be awesome. So what happens? It's actually very simple. That's why we look at, that's kind of why we talk about courtship, uh, these things that were very natural in courtship. It's how do we actually get those things to happen for 50 or 70 years? Because um, it's really simple what takes place. During courtship, you have what we call a face-to-face -face relationship. It's you and me, baby, against the world. 
We don't, we don't think about much of anything else other than each other. We spend every spare minute we possibly can. We have like seven dates a week. Um, we do nice things for each other. We can't keep our hands off of each other. We tell each other how wonderful and beautiful and handsome and amazing the future is going to be, and it feels incredible. And then we get married, and we turn side to side. And now we start building a business, or we finish school, or, or we start a job, or we start having babies, and we start changing diapers, and we start cutting the grass, and we start cleaning the toilets, and we start cooking and cleaning and going to soccer practice, and going to soccer practice, and going to soccer practice, and, and all of these side-to-side -side things. Now, there's nothing evil about any one of those. They're all good and wonderful things. But what tends to happen is there's so many of those that it takes all of your energy. Um, there's a lot of squeaky wheels in the world. There's a lot of demands on your time, and so we put all of our time and attention that direction. And there is absolutely no way, I don't care how wonderful people you are, how great your relationship is, if you don't get consistent face-to-face -face building and nurturing and feeding the marriage with the right kind of vitamins and nutrition, if we stay here, which is so easy to do, and then late at night we kind of look each other, toward each other and go, I kind of remember you um, before we just kind of pass out, there's no way that the relationship will not slowly start disconnecting. You'll start slowly fading. It just will happen. And nobody is neglectful on purpose, but we all neglect our relationships. And so what we're going to look at for the next few minutes is what are some things that can get us back face-to-face? -face? What are things that can consistently draw us back towards one another to where we can feed our relationships properly? Now, there's, again, as I said, there's nothing wrong with side-to-side. -side. You can't live real life and just sit over candlelight dinners 24 hours a day, seven days a week and you know, uh, whisper sweet nothings to each other. can't do that. But if we don't have a consistent way of coming back um, towards one another, we will start fading. So we're going to talk about some practical habits that you can learn and develop in your life. Healthy marriages have good, healthy habits. If our habits are all side to side, we'll start fading. If we have habits that bring us back consistently, then we'll be able to experience life um, and, and, and strength in our relationships. Now, as marriage counselors, we've learned a long time ago that we can't just inspire you this morning and just get you all excited and things are going to be great and this is what, how it's going to be. Because uh, when we do that in counseling, then people just come back the next week and go, well, that didn't work. <laughs> you got, got any other ideas? And so we're going to talk about some things that you can actually start doing tomorrow that will begin to make a difference. Little by little, begin to make a difference in your life. None of us want to become old married couples. We don't make that our goal. Gee, I hope we get to be boring old married couples. We all want to be boyfriend-girlfriend. That's what we want throughout our relationship. But we have to choose behaviors to keep that happening. You all are probably familiar with the concept of a love bank. You know, when our partner does loving and positive things, our love bank gets full. Now, all it takes is life to drain our love bank. Just doing the stuff of life can wear us out. And so we need to be consistently depositing in our partner's love bank in order to keep that connectedness, in order to keep that boyfriend-girlfriend emotional intimacy going.
And so that's one of the things that we're going to talk about. We call it Love Nuggets. That's a dumb name, but we use it so that you can remember it. And you can think of small, practical things that you can do for the other person that shows that you really care about them, that you're really thinking about them. It, some of you are familiar with uh, love languages. It's doing things in their love language so that they can feel that love and acceptance. Now, you should have a uh, little handout. Every married couple should have one of these. Does everybody have one? Should, be, should have been in the seat or the, the, the metal bracket in front of you. Um, just make sure that every married couple gets one of these. You'll see it's perforated, so tear it down the middle. Um, guys, take the one that says his in case we're a little slow. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're going to talk about um, some practical behaviors that can begin to make a difference, regardless of where you're at. Some of you maybe feel like you're just, gosh, our marriage is great, and it's never been better. I have never had a couple come to me ever and say, Brent, our marriage is like just way too happy. You have got to tone us down a little bit. Um, so we can always grow. We can always go to another level. You may be just kind of floating along. This can take you to a place of connection that you haven't experienced in a long time. Some of you may be struggling. Some of you may feel some tenseness in your life right now. And even talking about this, it's bringing up some, some there's, there's, a, there's a break or a, a tension. Take some steps. You'll see that these steps can begin to make a difference. All these are pieces in the puzzle. It's like putting together a jigsaw puzzle. There's not any one of these things that you're going to do that's just going to make everything fabulous, but it's the consistency of these over time that will make the difference. I have couples that will come to me for counseling, and they'll say, we always start with these two habits, and they'll say, Janice, we have really serious problems. These are nice little things, but we just don't need that. We need to get to the root of the deepest issues that we have. And I'll tell them, you know what, these types of things are very similar to putting oil in your engine. I probably could learn how to put oil in my engine. It's fairly simple. And it's not very expensive. But if I don't do it on a consistent basis, eventually I'm going to have some real problems with that engine. These are small, practical things that we do that don't seem like much by themselves. But if we don't do them consistently, we're going to find out that eventually we've lost those feelings in our marriage. And we're going to find out that our marriage is in trouble. Now, a lot of these are little tiny things. They're going to mean more to you than maybe some other couples that you know. My favorite couple that I ever worked with was many years ago. And, and they came to me because um, the day after their 50th wedding anniversary celebration, she moved out and bought a house because he was an hour late to their 50th wedding uh, anniversary celebration. And Just make a note of that. Don't yeah. do that. Okay, yeah. that's That was kind of the final straw. Now, this was a couple that married late in life, and it was their 50th wedding anniversary. So you can imagine um, they were quite an older couple. And so they came to me, and I'm like, whoa, this is a challenge. You know if you're dealing with issues before World War II? Um, you know, this could be challenging. Um, but... <laughs> But it was so great because their marriage really was healed and reunited and some things they dealt with for years were resolved and it was such a beautiful thing to watch. But at the very end, I said to her, okay, tell me what happened. What did he do to really turn this around? What did you guys do that really made a difference? And she started giggling. Well, she was in a walker 
And so she couldn't get upstairs in their house very easily. So she just went up at night and then came down in the morning. And she was giggling and she said, do you know what he does? He sneaks up at night when he thinks I don't notice and he lays my nightgown out over the bed. And for her, that was a loving behavior. She said he consistently does all these nice little things for me. So the things that you and your spouse may see as special or that show love may be different from somebody else. But we want to find the things that are right for you guys that build that sense that you care about me, that you love me, that I'm still special to you. Some of you are familiar with the love principle of love languages. And the concept is that we have a tendency to give love in a form that we need it. Now, unfortunately, that's not exactly what our partner needs. Now, I'm a natural acts of service guy. I do that because it's partly my personality. Um, I kind of do practical things. I do that kind of because I'm breathing. Uh, my dad was a colonel in the Army. He kind of taught us to just look around the house. He said, just look around the house. Don't wait for us to ask you to pick something up. If it needs to get done, just do it. And it kind of worked because I'm a guy, and it was a task, and I accomplished it, and I felt better about myself. And so, uh, so I was naturally doing that. And when we first got married, started hanging out with other couples, and I kind of heard the conversations that were going on. And I could tell there was like, I like do like way more than any of these guys do. <laughs> I mean, my wife has got to be like the happiest woman on the planet because I do it all this so stuff. It was so funny because we would go to work parties and the guys would look at Brent and they'd go, oh, you're Brent. <laughs> I hear Brent does this and Brent does that. And so anyway, I'm just thinking, okay, I just, my wife is hitting Nirvana here, you know. And uh, yet consistently she would say to me, I just, I feel disconnected. I just don't really feel loved. I, I'm not, I don't really feel like you love me sometimes. And I'm going, you have got to be kidding me. How could you possibly not feel loved? I did the dishes yesterday. I washed your car on Wednesday. I mean, I washed it and I mean, I vacuumed it out. I did all that kind of stuff. Um, I vacuumed the whole house Monday night. How could you not feel loved? Now, I spent quite a few months, Janice would say decades, trying to convince her that she should feel loved. What's the matter with you? Eventually, I got it. That's not her love language. That's not what makes her feel loved. I could do Now, she appreciates those things, but that does not ring her bell. Presence. Presence is her love language. <laughs> Presence is her love language. She also likes quality time. I'm horrible at both of those, naturally. I'm not real creative. If I start doing a present thing, I just absolutely run it into the ground. Um, we had a little jewelry store by our house um, where they made homemade jewelry, and I found out that that's where she liked to go. And so I slipped in there one time after she was there, and I asked the lady, I said, you, my wife just left, and can you help me with some things that she likes? And so she started picking that out. I bought about every earring they made um, I mean, Janice had so many earrings. I mean, I just, anyway, I'm not very creative. And so I've had to work on that over the years. The shop owner loved him. Yeah, exactly. Fortunately, they went out of business and left. And so uh, uh, we have a couple little porches at our house. And what would be very meaningful to, for Janice is on a Saturday, if I would just sit, we have a little chair thing out the love seat, a little chimney and stuff. If I would just sit out there for a couple of hours with her and read the paper and just talk about nothing that was serious, just keep it light, have a cup of coffee, that would mean so much to her. 
After about 10 minutes, I'm an acts of service guy. I'm like, I got stuff to do here. You know, I mean, surely she wants me to go and help organize something in the garage. Surely she wants that. No, she doesn't. She wants me to just be with her. And so it's really learning, how do I hit the target? And I've had people that have read love language inside and out. And they understand their partner's love language. But they, that does not mean that you know the exact behaviors that are very meaningful to them. So we're gonna talk, that's what this exercise is about. So what I have you do is uh, on this where it says love nuggets on one side of this, I'm going to ask you to make a list of ten things that if your partner were to do for you, that it would feel like love. Ten things if your partner were to do for you, that it would feel like love. Now, they need to follow three guidelines. Now, some of you are sitting there going, I don't know, particularly you guys. You're like, well, I don't know, like cook me something maybe. Um, Guys have a little harder time with this oftentimes. Now, women, by the time I've talked about this for 30 seconds, they usually can have about 15 things right off the top of their head. Um, So on the website, under marriage resources, You can go home this afternoon and you can click on that and we have 25 ideas for you. These are the kind of things that we're looking for. Now, you don't have to pick off of this list, but you can. These are the kind of things that we're encouraging you to do. Now, they need to follow three guidelines. The first one is they need to be practical and behaviorally specific. So don't say, take me to the Bahamas for for a month, okay? Now, if that's practical for you, I'd like to visit with you after service because we have a few (laughs) ministry projects we'd like to talk with you about, okay? Um, but we're talking about things that can be done very easily and simply, don't take a lot of time. Um, so don't say something like, well, just be more thoughtful. Or just try to be more loving and sensitive. I have no idea what that looks like. I know what, hold my hand when we're in the mall. Or give me a hug when I walk in the door first thing at night. These are the kinds of things that we're looking for. So practical, behaviorally specific. The second one is positive. This is not an opportunity for you to go, ha, <laughs> ha. Um, quit throwing your dirty clothes on the, on the bathroom floor. Um, quit interrupting me when we talk for once in your life. That's not what these are for, okay? We'll talk about conflict some other time. Um, these are simple, positive things, and also personal. So probably don't put clean out the gutters. Um, now, if I take Janice's car when it's running on empty, if I take it and run it down to Quick Trip and fill it up for her and wash the windows, she feels very loved by that. Mm -hmm. And so it can be something like that. That would be fine. Because real women don't pump gas. We just trade cars. (laughs) So if Brent comes out and his car's gone, it's like, honey, mine was out of gas. You know, what do you expect? So um, anyway, so so what we're going to do with this, once you have your 10, you just simply exchange it with your partner sometime before Monday morning. And then what we're going to ask you to do is to take 30 days and pick something off of their list at least every other day. It takes 21 to 30 days to form a habit in our life. And so the idea is to develop this as a habit. There's not any one of these things that's just going to make life fabulous. But it's the consistency of those things, doing those things day in and day out. At the end of 30 days, we don't want you to go, well, did that exercise, check that off the list, don't need to do that anymore. The idea is, as a matter of fact, we encourage couples to get to where literally every single day it pops up on your radar screen. Have I done something that they got it? They felt it. It might be a 10-second text message in the middle of the day if, they, uh, if verbal affirmation if there, is their love 
love language and just tell them that you love them and how much you appreciate them and you can't wait to see them tonight. Um, how significant that can be over time. And so developing this as a way where literally every day we come back face to face. We have to spend most of our life here doing this stuff. But every single day it pulls us back in. We're nurturing. We're feeding the marriage. We're giving it the right kind of vitamins. These are those tiny loving things that were so natural in courtship. I leave you a note because you have a football game. I got your favorite candy bar for you. All of those little tiny things that make a difference. That's what we're working on. We want to have that boyfriend-girlfriend relationship last on for the next 50 or 70 years of our lives. You're only middle-aged depending on how long you're going to live. So if I'm going to live to be 140, I'm not even <laughs> close to middle-aged. Um, not that I want to. The next, uh, the next practical thing that we encourage you to do that we really want you to make a habit is date night. And before you close your ears and say, we don't have the money or the time or we don't need that, listen. It doesn't mean necessarily your traditional Friday night, go spend a whole bunch of money doing something. It's carving out two to three hours, maybe four hours a week, where you can have that face-to-face -face time, where you can catch up with life, and you can have that boyfriend-girlfriend romantic time, rather than being overwhelmed by all the stuff of life. Uh, those of you that are empty nesters will often say, well, you know, we don't really need that because we're together all the time. This is different than just being together. This is having a special date where the two of you make an effort to carve out the time together. Now, we have several guidelines because people try to do this and oftentimes have difficulty with it. The first guideline is it's supposed to be fun. This is not the time to go over your budget. In fact, we have made a rule that we don't have a date on the day that Brent goes over the budget. He does that on another day because he might be grumpy. <laughs> so you have to pick times that are positive for you. This isn't the time you sit down to talk about why your son is flunking algebra or deciding whether you should go be with your in-laws over Christmas or not. This is not the time for that. This is the time to have fun just with each other and only talk about positive things. Now, because we do the church together and we have a private practice together, we could talk about business or kids all the time. We could constantly be dealing with business. And so one of the things that we've had to do is we've had to make a rule and even a signal that we have for each other when one or the other of us starts drifting off into work things. What we've chosen to do is when one of us will say something about business, the other one will say, I'm not sure I know what you're talking about. I think those are the Sharps. We're the Smiths tonight, remember? <laughs> to keep us focused on fun and positive activities. Now, um, I have to work at this one. Uh, part of my personality challenge is I can turn any conversation serious within 10 seconds. Um, and sometimes it only takes about six or seven seconds. And yet, it will just dry up that experience. It'll, it'll take the life out of it. And so we have to be very guarded of that. The second one is make it a priority. You have 168 hours in a week. We're asking you for two to four hours, about one and a half to two percent of your week. It's not much. But I'm amazed at how many couples are, have a hard time being able to pull that off. Now, we can stand up here, shoot off flares and fireworks and tell you how important this is and our experience with couples over the years and how impacting that this can be, but you are the ones that have to make this choice and make that decision. But 
it can change your life. We recommend that it's consistent. If you possibly can, make it at the same time every week. Put it in your calendar so that you plan around it. It does a couple of good things. One, if you have small kids, you can get a consistent babysitter. There are babysitters that love it. If you say, I want you every week at this particular time. When our kids were little, they'd be playing across the street, and they'd look over and they'd go, oh, Miss Paula's here. We have to leave now because Mom and Dad are going out on a date. It put that consistency in their life. It built that within them. It also encouraged the neighbors to go on dates because they were like, gosh, the Sharps go on dates every week. We could go on dates too. But it also is good to have that in your calendar because there's nothing more meaningful than when you overhear your partner on the phone and they say, oh, you know what? I would love to help you, but I have a commitment to my wife on Thursday night. And so can we schedule it another time? We want to show each other that we are priorities in our life and that this time is sacred time where we are building on our relationship and working together. Now, the number one killer of this is you've got a plan to go out for the evening. You hop in the car. You look at each other and go, what do you want to do? Well, I don't know. What do you want to do? Well, gosh, I always have to decide. Why can't you decide? Well, okay. Do you want to go out to eat? Where? Uh, I always have to decide. Come on, you can decide, surely. Well, okay, you want to go to a movie? That's all we do is go to movies. Can't we do something besides go to a movie? And I'm sure this has never happened to you. This is for you to help your friends with. It will take the life out of it. We didn't do that as guys on a first date. We didn't just show up and go, what do you want to do? We had a plan. So... What we have you do, date night ideas. We have you make a list of your top 10 date night ideas for you to do with your spouse. Now, don't let, um, don't keep something off of the list if you think of it and you think, she is not going to want to go to the gun show. Or he is not going to go to a play. Put it on the list anyway. If you would like to do it and like them to be with you, put it on the list anyway. And we're actually going to have a competition about this church-wide. I'm going to tell you in just a second how you could, yeah, how you could win a special weekend. Um, make, your, make your list. And then what you do is every other week, you are responsible for the plan. You decide and set up the date. But when you decide it, you don't go off of your list. You go off of their list. So you take your partner out to do stuff that they have told you they love to do. So if it's my time to decide, we'll probably try to go to a play or the Broken Arrow Community Theater or something like that and go to a restaurant with white linen tablecloth and candlelight and somebody that's pouring iced tea about every 30 seconds because mm-hmm. um, that's the kind of stuff she likes. Now, it's fair because next week we'll probably go to an action-adventure movie and eat barbecue. And so, um, so that's one of the significant things. It's always planned. We don't have the what do you want to do, I don't know stuff that kills it. It's always planned. It's fair. You get this really cool giving and receiving thing that begins to happen in your marriage. There's something about you know your partner's kind of planning a week, an evening experience for something that you like that is pretty powerful. There's also something powerful about that you give as, that you do as the giver that when you hit the target, that there's something that you get out of that. Can, it can significantly make a difference. Now, let me talk about the competition. On the website, you can go on, and there is a date night contest section under marriage resources. You go in there and put your name and give us your most cre- out of your 10, 
your most creative date that costs less than $30. Put that on there, and then we have a distinguished panel of judges this week that's going to go in and pick the best one out of the entire church. We already have a hotel that, that is, we're going to send you away to and a fun little getaway package, and uh, we'll announce that next Sunday and give that out next Sunday. And so um, the other benefit we're going to get from this is we're all going to hear each other's ideas too. We're going to, uh, if you put all of yours on there, we'll, we'll post all of these or we'll, these creative ones, we'll post all of those. And for those of you that have a little hard time coming up with creative ideas, it'll, it'll give you something to go off of. The next guideline is it's just for the two of you. We want you to spend time with other couples. We want you to have family time. But this is the time for just the two of you to be together. So that means no double or triple dates to the gun show. You have to do those things on your own. Okay. And the final thing is set a budget. We just don't want this to turn into a conflict, okay? We don't want one of you thinking, ooh, maybe we, I've heard that you can rent a helicopter and fly to Oklahoma City and go to a Thunder game. Um, and the other one's sitting there going, I can't believe we're spending this much money. What are you thinking? We don't want to turn this into a conflict, okay? So you agree on your budget, you slice that into four, and that's what you operate from. I found some of our younger couples spend $5 a week on this. And you go, what in the world could you do with $5? I've seen some of the most creative ideas, and sometimes those are the most impacting because they've put a lot of time and energy in the planning. And so, again, we just want to make sure that it's not a conflict, and once again, what this will do for you, if, even if you've had the busiest, busiest of weeks and you've hardly even seen each other, but you know Tuesday night's coming, we'll reconnect on Tuesday because we're going to get back face-to-face. We're going to get off the merry-go-round and we're going to escape and go get back face-to-face and pour into our relationship. If you've had a busy week and hardly even seen each other, but every week has turned into that and... Every week has turned into all work and no play. We get a pretty sour attitude, and it begins to suck life out of us. Once again, both of these habits, there's not any one love nugget or any one date night that's just going to make everything fabulous. But it's the consistency of these over time, back face-to-face, that begin to build and nurture our lives together. We have more things that we're planning for life enrichment, just like we did the Awake workshop. We're going to be doing some more workshops. We're going to be doing one or two of those on marriage coming up, so be watching for that. The other thing that we have coming up on Friday night, February 17th, is Mystery Night. That is not just for couples. That's open to the entire church. Some of our own actors and actresses in our midst are going to be enacting a mystery in front of us while we have dinner. And so I really encourage you guys to come on February 17th. We have tickets outside. And um, as I said, it is not just for couples. We have a number of people um, that have signed up, and we really want everybody involved. And finally, we want to invite you to um, an experience that we've been doing every year. And if you're a married couple, you won't want to miss this. I hope that you can do this. Mm -hmm. June 15th through 17th, we have a Date Your Mate weekend getaway. This is an entire weekend date together. Now, what we do, and it's just for our church, we escape um, from life, and uh, we've been either going to Dallas or going to Kansas City. We've kind of been rotating those. This year, we're going to go to Kansas City. Uh, if you've been to the Country Club Plaza area up there, it's kind of like Utica Square on steroids. Uh, it's a phenomenal place. We've got a wonderful hotel, and it's play. Um, 
many couples go out to jazz stuff on Friday night, and we have a couple of small, just inspirational sessions that don't last very long, um, like on Saturday morning and Sunday morning. The rest of the time is play. You get a lot of alone time, as well as time to interact with other couples. We have a dress-up banquet on Saturday night, and um, we wanted to announce this because it, um, a little bit of time out so that you can make plans for this, June 15th to 17th. Um, we're going to have an awesome time together. And so you can go online. There's a place online where you can go and register for this. You can step out to the info desk and have couples out there that will give you more information about this. And, and let's be committed. Remember, you get to decide what the health of your marriage looks like. It's not just waiting for the sun and the moon and the stars to line up so that we'll get inspiration again or we'll fall in love again or we'll, we'll, we'll feel that sense of closeness and connection. It is a choice you make. Love's an action word. It's a choice that you make. And you get to decide this. So let's create the love of our life. Let's choose and make that decision together. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? Let's lift our voices up this morning. Pray.